Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, October 8th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We had our weekly chat with star sports writers and columnists and the audience today about the Chiefs who take on the Buffalo Bills in a Sunday night football showdown, and there was plenty to say. Sam Mellinger, Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Herbie Teope talked about how good this Chiefs offense is, how bad the defense has been, how Josh Gordon figures to fit in, last year's games against the Bills, and much more. We gabbed for a while, so less introduction, more conversation is the way to go here. Let's get started. Good morning. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, the Kansas City Stars weekly chatter about the Chiefs with the folks from our shop who know them best and with you. Please bring on your questions and comments. We've got a lot of talk, a lot to talk about today. Full house. I see Herbie Teope, Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, Sam McDowell. Good morning to everybody here. Um, got a night game coming up. You know how much I love those night games. <laughs> I'm with you, man. <laughs> Cannot wait for another night game where we get home about 2 a.m., pick up the newspaper from the driveway as we walk in. <laughs> love it. Love it. But, hey, look, uh, great game. Uh, Sunday night football against the Buffalo Bills. The attention, uh, I imagine it'll do a great TV rating. Why wouldn't it? The rematch of the AFC Championship game. A couple of things to... Talk about right off the bat, Kirby, let's start with you. Uh, we always talk injuries early. Seems like the Chiefs might have some good news on the injury front this week in terms of getting some guys back. Yeah, you should get Frank Clark. You should get Shaverius Ward as well as Rashad Fenton back. Both have missed the past two games. They practice fully these last two days of practice, and they're going to need them against this Bills offense. Uh, Chris Jones was rested Wednesday and probably Thursday with a wrist injury. The Chiefs are trying to get him right. You know, and I think Andy Reid said it best that it has been a distraction for Jones. And and we look at his numbers and we're wondering why, what's going on. And as a, as a guy who plays defensive line, you need a healthy wrist as you're fighting the offensive lineman. But they are they, they should get Clark, Ward, and Fenton back in the lineup. I got a message from a bookmaker in London this morning wanted to know about <laughs> Willie Gay's status. So what do we think about Willie Gay? I, not not that, you know, a bookmaker in London uh, should know before we do, but, you know, it's, it's significant for the Chiefs. What do we think? Yeah, you know, he was uh, designated to return to practice earlier this week. And what that means is the Chiefs have a 21-day window to determine whether to activate him off injured reserve or keep him on that status there. And this is going to be critical for the Chiefs because they do need help at linebacker But when you look back at Andy Reid's M.O., uh, what he's done with players who have come back off of injured reserve and designated practice, that first week, they more often than not do not activate them. You know, you might want to give them two or three more weeks because you got to remember, this guy hasn't had any meaningful snaps since the preseason finale when he suffered that toe injury. So it's been a while. They're going to be concerned about conditioning. Absolutely. Julie, I'm going to be interested to know how it goes in your household. Uh, Julie is a Big-time Chiefs fan, her husband a big-time Bills fan, as he jumped on any tables is what I would want to know. Julia, Christopher checking in from Colorado, says that he was uh, at the at the uh, Kansas School for the Deaf, uh, class of 92. Glad to have you, Christopher. Uh, very good. And Brian, always good to hear from you as well. Yeah, please send us your, your questions and comments. Sam McDowell, I'm kind of interested in the line in this game. It's it down, I think, to two and a half. Yeah, it's at it's at three on some sports books and, and two and a half on others. 
Um, it is interesting. I mean, you know, the, the Chiefs opening the season were favored in every game or not an underdog in every game. The way these two teams were playing, I kind of thought that it could be something more like an even line. So the, the three opening surprised me a bit. Um, and obviously it surprised some betters as well. There's been more action on the Bills so far than the Chiefs. Absolutely. Julia assures us everything will be fine in her household. I trust that to be true. Um, big game for, for a couple of reasons, really an early barometer game, as it was in 2020, first time that the teams met in, in that season. The Chiefs ended up winning both of those games. So my, my question uh, to you, Melly, is do, do the Bills have a Chiefs problem? The Bills are off to a nice start this year. The Chiefs are off to the shaky start. I think we can identify what's gone wrong with the Chiefs, namely the, the defense and turnovers. We can uh, partially identify what's gone right with Buffalo, uh, the schedule, uh, for one. But if you look back at last year's games, I don't know how much has changed personnel-wise between the two teams. They're still two of the best, if not the best two in the AFC. But but, but the Bills had a problem with the Chiefs. They were 13-3, and three, um, four losses, including the playoffs, and two of those were to the Chiefs. And in, in both of those games were two-score victories for Kansas City. So we'll break down the game in a bigger way during this uh, show, but are, are the Chiefs and the Bills head a little bit? I think that. Um, I really do. Um, I thought that before the season. I guess I should say I think it a little bit less now than I did uh, before the season. Like, I, I'd be really, and this is a hot take, right? But um, I'd be really surprised if the Chiefs don't score a lot of points. But I, I'm more worried about how they're going to defend Buffalo now than I was five weeks ago, just because I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but um, Spags the other day, you know, it was like, how do you defend Josh Allen and the Bills? And he was just like, fast. We got to be fast. We're going to throw fastballs. We got to be fast. Like, and like, I heard that and I was like, man, this guy is worried because <laughs> this guy knows that his defense has been slow <laughs> and very slow. And I just, I think that specific part of it, the Bills are going to get in and they can snap the ball right away. They can, you know, Josh Allen is obviously like super naturally talented right but i think that he is sort of progressing as you know mentally and um you know a little bit more control over the offense and stuff and i think that part of it i think could be a problem i mean this has been a problem for the chiefs all four games of, of just sort of being slow getting the calls in slow getting in position slow off the snap and you know if that doesn't 180 the bills are going to have a highlight reel John Gordon asks, why are the guys not knowing their assignments and are consistently out of position after three years with the same defensive coordinator? And I think that's, we're, we're touching on that a little bit here. That's the whole thing. It's a great question, John. It is the question of the week. It's the root of the problem. Question of the month. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, Steve Spagnuolo said this week that, yes, the Chiefs work against hurry-up offenses and up-tempo. It doesn't appear to be uh, those lessons learned when, when I see them play when I see the Chargers and the Eagles hurry up to the line and, and get a snap off quickly and the Chiefs defense are looking over to the sideline waiting for a call, I don't think teams are doing this to the Chiefs, or I think I should say teams are doing this to the Chiefs in a way that hasn't happened to them previously. I think when the Chiefs line up against an offense that is not running hurry up, the Chiefs defense isn't the worst in the NFL. It's it's middle of the pack. Uh, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20, I would think, somewhere in there. But when opponents speed up the Chiefs like this and they appear to be not ready, that changes everything, doesn't it, Vahe? I mean, the, we saw it in Philly. Certainly last week we saw a Philadelphia team that is not good, will not be in the playoffs, but still managed to put up 30 points against the Chiefs. 
Yeah, you know, Blair, to kind of borrow from Animal House, uh, a, a step slow and out of position is no way to go through life. And, and you know, we have kind of seen that over and over. And I, I do believe one of the points, and you guys can correct me on this if I misinterpreted, but one of the points Spags was trying to make yesterday is one of those things that coaches do that's true, but also not really very soothing to hear. There were a couple different scenarios on some of these things where it sounded like maybe somebody needed to try to get off the field for an injury that wasn't quite in position to do that. Gosh, I remember Sam McDowell, we're sitting there watching, I think this was that game, or was it the game before, watching Alex Okafor sprinting across the line of scrimmage at the last second, totally out of position. I think in some cases there were little wrinkles being caused by teams deciding that this is a vulnerability of the Chiefs or at least one way to get at them, like that we're going to speed them up. And the common denominator is the Chiefs do look like plotters. It's not unusual for them to look not quick on defense overall. So it's a mix of things. This is something we talked about last week. It does make you feel like it's fixable if they just get all the pre-snap stuff right and get in sync, that they can be a lot better just from that or at least give themselves a fighting chance just from that. But at some point, if you're emphasizing stuff and it's not getting better, then you've got a bigger problem. Yeah, and look, we're still talking about Chris Jones playing a different position, um, Nick Bolton getting a lot of snaps as a rookie at linebacker, Anthony Hitchens, you know, not the fastest, someone pointed out, and he's not, not the fastest linebacker in the NFL, not close. Playing without, at least last week, without two starters in the secondary in Warden Fenton, there are some reasons for this to happen. But one thing I think about, and I, I certainly thought about this after the game on Sunday, was I go back to, as I often do, to college football. And I remember what it was like in the Big 12 about 20 years ago when offenses started doing what no other teams were doing in college football. And that is no huddle, hurry up, get the ball snapped, run as many plays as you possibly can. What that did was it lowered the disparity in talent levels between the two teams, right? The team that was playing that, that hurry-up offense, which didn't have as many good athletes as the opponent, and they were able to trick them, keep them off balance. I think of the early you know, Texas Tech teams with Mike Leach and how they were hanging 50, 60, 70 points on Nebraska and on other teams that were superior in talent, but they were able to do that because they were able to, this is what happens in a, in a hurry-up offense and your defense isn't ready. Well, eventually the defense is caught up and, and it did change. But to me, I see a little bit of that going on with the Chiefs right now. I don't think Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles offense is any great shakes. But when they play the way that they did against the Chiefs and the Chiefs aren't prepared and Alex Okafor is running across the field, kind of not knowing where he's supposed to be or realizing too late where he's supposed to be, that becomes an equalizer to me. Am I way off base here? I like the point, Blair. You're right. I mean, teams that are that are not as talented are always going to look for ways to reduce that gap, right? I mean, that's just that's what you do. And and we don't we know this is a league of copycats. They they've probably seen something. You know, they have the data from the games before. And um, Shazam! Meanwhile, the Chiefs' offense is been unbelievable, right? I mean, that was that was just phenomenal what happened in Philly last weekend and most of the season, right? If the Chiefs can score touchdowns on what was it, six of seven possessions that don't include the kneel downs at the end of the half, the end of the game, the one non-touchdown possession was an, was an interception. But if the Chiefs can score like this, and really isn't any reason to believe this offense is anything but the best it's ever been under Andy Reid, aren't we looking at a team with the ability to outscore opponents? Listen, that the case, you can accept some slash many flaws on the defensive side 
but it also seems like a bit of a gamble to me as well and putting a lot of pressure on your offense. Can this team's offense withstand that pressure? Sam, just I want to say real quick that you need to make the request for Tommy Townsend to try to get him to demand the trade. I know that's in your bag of tricks. Sorry. <laughs> I tried it once. <laughs> and uh, missed out on that one. I still think Colquitt could have given me a heck of a call in there. But, uh, like, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs, right? And they're going to be a 1-2-3 seed is what I would expect. But you can't win a Super Bowl with a defense like this. <laughs> you just, you can't. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't expect to. Uh, but I do think that the, this offense, I think this is a better offense than 2018. I think it's more stable. Um, the offensive line is, is way better. They have a run game that they didn't have before. It's just, um, I think they can control games with the offense, but there's going to come a time Mahomes is going to throw an interception or Edwards E. is going to fumble it <laughs> in field goal range or whatever. Um, stuff like that happens and you need a defense to kind of pick it up. It's just a shock to me, honestly. Like I just, I, I didn't expect this regression. Um, it's been, it's been pretty crazy to watch, but they got to get that fixed. To me, Blair, the, the, the point of it is that they might have the best offense in the league, but they've got to be perfect right now with the way the defense is playing. And they're not a perfect offense. And this is really going to be a test for them because the Bills are going to play, I think, you know, based on the comments from players out in Buffalo, they're going to play them the way they did in the regular season, which is they're going to try and make the, the, the Chiefs, you know, have a bunch of short passes. They're going to play their two safeties super deep. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had his best game of, of his rookie year last year in Buffalo. Um, he's had back-to-back 100-yard games. I think the interior of the line played its best game in Philadelphia. And so if that carries over, I think Buffalo's going to have a harder time playing that defense against the Chiefs this year, than they, even though they struggled with it last year. But it, it's kind of, to me, like that great equal, a different form of that great equalizer that you mentioned earlier, which is they want fewer possessions, I think, in this game overall. You know, the Bills' defense is also playing amazingly well. Now, they've shut out Davis Mills and Jacoby Brissett and, you know, beat up on Taylor Heineke. Patrick Mahomes is a little bit different than those guys. But still, I, I think this is going to be a really interesting test for the, the offense because it's a good defense and it's a defense that's going to play them in a very specific way that I think they're going to see late in the season in the playoffs. Herbie, I remember in the two games uh, the Chiefs and the Bills played last year, two different approaches by the Bills, right? As Sam just said, playing safeties deep, Darren Patrick Mahomes go over the top, didn't do it. Meanwhile, uh, Edward Zolaire has his best statistical game as a Chief, 160. I think it was 161 on the ground. The Chiefs had 245 on the ground, the most by a, an Andy Reid Chiefs team. And the Chiefs, you know, ended up winning that game by nine and led the, led the whole way. And then in the, in the AFC title game, Patrick Mahomes goes something like 29 for 38 for 325, three touchdowns. And Darrell Williams ends up being the Chiefs' leading rusher in, in that game. And the single biggest play I recall was one of those uh, McCole Hardman jet sweeps that went for about 50 yards. And the way the Chiefs have played this year, um, you know, when they don't turn the ball over, they don't have to worry about going over the top because I, I think we've, what we've seen with Tyreek Hill is tremendous yards after catch when he catches it underneath. A lot of success with Kelsey when that's been needed. So I, I don't know. I Pick your poison, I guess, against this Chiefs team, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the, the key, and you just mentioned there, the key for the Chiefs right now is do not turn the ball over against an opportunistic Buffalo defense. They're plus seven in the turnover margin, and I think – that's first in the NFL. So, you know, granted, you know, and McDowell points out the quarterbacks they've played against, and Mahomes is a completely different animal from them. But you know what? He's had an interception now in three straight games, and you just can't do that against the Bills. To their defense, to the Chiefs' defense, against this Bills' offense, last year they only had to deal with Stephen Diggs 
as well as Cole Beasley. And they added, the Bills added another piece, Emmanuel Sanders. He adds another interesting dynamic to that offense because he can get deep. You know, when you think of Cole Beasley and you think of Diggs, you're thinking intermediate routes. But now you add another guy who can get deep. And the Chiefs' pass defense right now is among the league's worst. They almost gave up 400 yards passing to Jalen Hurts last week for crying out loud. So, you know, they got to really hunker down this week against Josh Allen and and that core of weapons. Yeah, but I'm done thinking the Chiefs are going to stop anybody. You know, if if you can get three field goals, and that's good, right? Uh, Manage the clock so the opponent doesn't score at the end of the half or something. I'm to that point. Uh, I know, Sam, you said something in you broke this week. Um, It really did. (laughs) It really did. I I thought that was the perfect opportunity for the Chiefs defense. To show. Yeah, not not be the 2000 and Ravens or whatever, but just not give up. I mean, Devontae Smith looked like Jerry Rice. And I think Devontae Smith is going to be a really good player for a long time. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But, God, that was – it just – Vahe wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, right? About how Spags's defenses have tended to get better. And, you know, we all remember 2018. But, you know, again, it's just hard to understand why the regression now with guys that that have been around. I do think one, one thing about the offense, we, we just talked about it a little bit. One one other point that I think is worth making about the offense, and this is an advantage that they have over 2018, even if you believe the offenses are equal overall or whatever, is that this offense, I think, can score different ways. That 2018 offense was just, I mean, it's so much fun, <laughs> so much fun, but it was, it was bombs and it was, they're going to score like that. And I think this offense can do that, but I think they can also sort of not cheat, but they can score in four minutes. They can score in a minute. They can score in eight minutes. You know, they've just got different, depending on the situation, um, you know, different pitches to throw, which can cover for a little bit more defensive deficiencies than 2018, but um, they got to, they got to figure something out there. The problems with the defense, we, we talk a lot about the pre-snap stuff because that's one of the things the players are identifying. But when you watch the film, it's so much greater than that. There's communication issues after the snap. There's before the snap. There's been substitution issues. I thought about this when I was watching the film of the game, that pro football focus must have a hell of a time grading guys right now because I don't. there's, there's so many plays where I'm like, I don't even know whose responsibility it was to guard that guy because he's not guarded by anybody. So who do you even blame for it? There was a play that um, we noticed in Philadelphia where Chris Jones comes off the field and he's playing defensive tackle on that snap. Well, the Chiefs are, are all mixed up in who's going to replace him. Eventually, Josh Kando runs in the game. The Eagles are in the red zone for a third and one. Kando's now the third defensive end on the field because Alex Okafor and Mike Dana is already on the field. And so Kando has to line up a defensive tackle, a rookie playing defensive tackle for the first snap in his life and the Eagles run a quarterback sneak for three yards and get a first down, eventually score a touchdown. That type of stuff is not happening with other teams. You know, that, that's a substitution issue. Vahe mentioned the Alex Okafor. He, he doesn't even engage with the left tackle by the time the pass is thrown because he's sprinting across the back of the defensive line. And like I said, the, the, there's plays after the snap where guys are just so wide open. I don't know who blew the assignment. Where? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. 
we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. You know, on the one issue, on the, on the one hand, it is fixable because these are communication things that should be fixable. On the other hand, the fact that we've seen it for four straight weeks now doesn't prompt a whole lot of confidence that that's going to get fixed soon. Here's the thing that concerns me to those points. You've got a green dot linebacker who's a veteran, Anthony Hitchens. You've got Tyron Matthew back there who is a leader of the defense. If you know your guys are not aligned properly, why not call a timeout so you can fix that? That's what your team leaders are for. And that's what that green dot linebacker is for, because he's the one who's who's responsible for getting the guys lined up properly. Sorry, Vahe, didn't mean to cut you off. You only get three timeouts, Herbie, not not 20. So I don't know. If they can... <laughs> yeah, but in a critical situation like that, if you're third and goal, would you want to give up that touchdown? Fix it. You got to fix that. Look, this is really, I guess, just tying all this together, maybe. But I, the thing that's interesting to me, and we've talked about it a little bit on here, but among ourselves, too, is. Okay, we've seen Spag's defenses get better, but the two examples I drilled in on were each examples of uh, his first year as defensive coordinator. With the Giants, it was a disaster early, and then they had the what a lot of people looked at as one of the great defensive game plans, executions in Super Bowl history by beating that undefeated Patriots team. And then, of course, we saw what happened after 10 games, basically, into the 2019 season. In each of those cases, obviously, you have reason to think, okay, with more time, we're going to see things come together more. They're just going to get to know each other more, know the personnel better, the schemes, et cetera. And and that, to me, is what's so baffling, really, about this. I mean, so many of the same people, so many different problems. Why should they be worse than last year? I guess that's what gets me. They finished, I think, 16th last year, 17th the year before. And you're like, why are they so much worse than last year? They were 10th in points. Yeah. Top 10 in both. Yeah. And now they're, I mean, I don't know, without looking, I'm guessing they're 30, 31, 32. 31st in points and 31st in yards. Yeah. (laughs) Story checks out. (laughs) One of the problems with the, um, it's the same problems every week. Like that substitution stuff, Sam, that you were just talking about. It seems, and I like, look, I don't want to like overanalyze a press conference, but like, Sometimes it seems like, well, yeah, I mean, it was just a weird substitution thing. We got caught. And it's like, wait a second. Like in the NFL, guys have to come off the field unexpected. All the time. Yeah. That happens. Like you can't like, uh oh, Chris Jones needs to snap off. Like, let's just throw in like Rashad Fenton nose tackle or whatever. Like that. That's what got Bob Sutton fired. You know, when he had uh, who was that poor bless his heart, that safety or whatever that was lined up as defensive end. Um, when Derrick Henry ran for 35 yards on a third and eight or whatever it was. Uh, I guess I didn't get him fired because he was back the next year. But anyway, um, you know, it's just that basic stuff where I think like, I guess what we keep saying and making the point is that with adults in the room, Spagnolo 
experienced, you know, not just third year, but his whole career, right? And and Hitchens, adult in the room, got got some deficiencies, but really smart guy, good communicator, focused, committed, all that stuff. Like it's just like at every level, the Chiefs' problems should be something like a lot of potential problems, right? But it should not be knowing where to line up. It should not be like who to cover. And I think that's the part where it's like, you know, you're trying to teach your kid to run, but they're still crawling. Like they haven't even walked yet. You know, like we need to get guys lined up in the right spot before we can talk about missed tackles and missed assignments and stuff like that. Just be where you're supposed to be before the snap. And then maybe we can work on the rest. And it's like, God, it's week five now. Like we shouldn't still be talking about this. All you make great points. And the personnel hasn't changed significantly, but I do go back to the way teams are attacking the Chiefs. You know, we've, we've seen defenses adjust to the Chiefs' offense. I think we're seeing opposing offenses attack the Chiefs' defense in a different way now. And, and the Chiefs have been slow to react to it. I mean, literally slow to react to it. <laughs> slow in real time. All right, we, we've gone this far without talking about the, the latest addition. Uh, to the Chiefs, Josh Gordon. Was he number 19? Is that right? Uh, uniform number 19. Is he going to be active, Herbie, on Sunday? What's your best guess? Yeah, I think he'll probably be active, but he'll probably be on the pitch count. He's just what? I don't even think it's two full weeks yet in this offense. So if he does play, probably a decoy-type situation. But, you know, I, I think he'll be active. And I guess I didn't know this week that the Chiefs and the Browns have similar language. According to Andy Reid, or was it Eric Bieniemy this week, who said, well, because he, you know, he was with Cleveland, and there's similar terminology with the Browns, which is helping in the, in the transition for Josh Gordon. But what, one thing that this does to me is it, uh, it brings attention to the second wide receiver position that we talked a lot about in the run-up to the year and kind of fretted over you know, who's going to emerge and what's, what's going to happen here and how much are they going to miss Sammy Watkins and whatnot. And it's based on what we've seen. And again, take the turnovers out of the equation for the Chiefs. This offense is operating at as high a level as any under the, you know, Patrick, in the Patrick Mahomes era. Sam, I know you, McDowell, you wrote a little bit about this earlier in the week, but did we kind of miscalculate or, or overemphasize the, the, the role of the number two wide receiver and, in the four games, uh, Tyreek Hill has put up remarkable numbers in two of them and Kelsey in two of them. And the offense, except for the turnovers, wasn't the problem. Yeah, I don't know if anyone on this call has ever made this point, but, but Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey is their number two wide receiver. <laughs> Sam, is that is that right? <laughs> you know, to, to me, it was more about the the guys, the, the type of player that you were asking to, to replace, Sammy Watkins. You know, McCole Hardman was never going to be that guy that ran Sammy Watkins' old routes. Um, really, Demarcus Robinson is more that guy, and Robinson has done hardly. I mean, he's, he's been much less productive than he was a year ago. Um, so Josh Gordon is more of that guy, and so that's why I think he's a better fit here. And I don't know what he's got left at 30 years old. It's really interesting because a 30-year-old wide receiver might scare you off sometimes, but he's played a lot less. He's been hit a lot less, so maybe he's got a little bit more left than the average three-year-old receiver. But he's a guy that can run the under, underneath stuff. I think he's a guy that. You know, especially as teams are going to ask the Chiefs to, to dink and dunk him down the field, he's the guy that can do that. He's a big target, uh, you know, on third and seven that, that can just hit the sticks and, and you can throw a ball to him even when he seems covered and he can still catch it. Um, that, that's the guy they've missed with whenever Sammy Watkins left is the guy that can do the underneath stuff. It, not only are, are you helping move the chains consistently, but you're also springing those other guys open. You know, you, you're forcing them to, to pay attention to you. And I, don't, I still don't think the Chiefs have another guy 
on the outside right now that the teams were forced to pay attention to. You know, as, as good as Tyreek Hill was in that Philly game, as good as the offense looked, you know, I mean, Philly has a bad defense. And the rest of those guys, you know, four other receivers were dressed in that game with Hardman, Pringle, Robinson, and Kemp. And they combined for four catches for 39 yards. So I realize that the offense seems like it's rolling right now, but they do have a need for a guy like Josh Gordon. One quick point about him too. And, and McDowell, I appreciate you reading. Thank you. But to, just to follow up on one thing he said, he's played 63 games in his career. He's played like basically the equivalent of four full seasons <laughs> and, he's, and he's 30 years old. But the point about Josh, like um, I know this sounds stupid, but I promise it's true is that the, the people in that building have been sort of like low key worried. Nah, I don't know if that's exactly the right word, but low key wanting to improve their red zone options. Like their thing is between the twenties, speed and spacing, creates kind of an unfair advantage for them. And then red zone, especially inside the 10, um, that changes a lot. And they've wanted somebody besides Kelsey to be a body down there. And I think that that is a lot of what they are excited about. Like Herbie was talking about a pitch count and I'm certain like there probably will be just like certain specific packages. And I'd be shocked if one or all of them is not uh, just specific to the red zone. Because even if he doesn't get the ball thrown to him, the safety goes over and now Kelsey's open over the middle or Edwards a layer in the flat or whatever. I mean, he, he can help them in a lot of ways, which is just what they needed, right? The Chiefs offense needs more help. <laughs> right. Yeah, Melly brings up a fantastic point on the red zone options. Because don't forget, this year you're starting to see a lot of 14 and 13 personnel looks when they're inside the 10-yard line. And we're talking what Kelsey and Blake Bell and even Jody Ford. Jody Fortune has two touchdowns this year. You know, just, just let that sink in there. And, and so when you got a guy like Josh Gordon, maybe Andy Reid doesn't have to get all cute with packages uh, once they're inside the red zone. You know, maybe Gordon's presence will remove the amount of 14 and 13 personnel looks we've seen inside the five-yard line. I thought you liked that cuteness, Herbie. Well, I do. You know, I love tight ends, you know, 14 and 13 personnel packages. I'm all over that. But, you know, at the same time, it's let's get traditional here and let's let's ram it in there. Or, or, you know, when you got a guy like Gordon, you don't need to have three tight ends on the field. He's essentially a tight end. Look how big this guy is. Yeah, I don't recall the last time they had a guy that they could throw the ball up to. Um, You know, Travis Kelsey, as good as a tight end he is, he's really good in space and creating openings when it doesn't seem like anything's there. He's still not like a jump ball, go up and get a guy. And I don't know that Patrick Holmes has ever really had that. Certainly, we're we're not counting Kelvin Benjamin, right? We are not in any way, shape or form. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, I wanted to ask you something else, too, that uh, that you pursued this week, and that is. Uh, like I keep dismissing turnovers like, oh, they just take care of that. Like, just like Andy is, it will clean it up. But there is a common thread with the interceptions, isn't there? Third and long, always looking for Kelsey, right? Uh, the, certainly the, the deep one against the Chargers. I got to say, just as an aside, of all the things that have happened with the Chiefs this season, the thing that has stunned me the most was them getting the ball in the tie game with 217 to play and not winning the game and not, you know, not getting a first down, throwing the interception. But you know, the, 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 the bad interception against the Ravens, it just seems like he's always looking to Kelsey in those situations. And, and maybe, you know, there are other options. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about Patrick Mahomes is over the past three years, he's become more risk adverse every single season. And, you know, NFL Next Gen Sats started keeping that stat as far as how, how often you throw the ball into tight windows, which is basically when a defender's within one yard of the receiver. Nobody's ever finished below 10%. And Patrick Mahomes is at 7.6% right now through four games. So he wants to be more careful with the football. 
it's a, just an odd thing to say that this year because he's thrown four interceptions in the first four games. One of them, of course, went off Marcus Kemp's shoulder pad, so that one's out the window. But the other three follow that pattern that you mentioned, Blair, which is I think he's decided, he, he won't say this out loud, but the way the Chiefs defense is playing, he doesn't want to punt the football. And so all three of those were, it's third down, he's about to get sacked, he decides that throwing to somewhere, even if it's up for grabs, is better than just settling for a punt. And so on, on, on the surface, it looks like Patrick Mahomes is being more careless this year, that all, all the chaos that you see with him scrambling means, means he's careless with the football. It's not the case. Like He's been significantly more careful, which is why those three plays stand out even more to me, that what he's suggesting about the way his defense is playing. I do think that interception at Philadelphia, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was likely to be an interception even if his arm didn't get hit, but I do think his arm got hit, I, but I yeah. think he was still forcing it. Yeah, It's just interesting, though. You think two of the four interceptions, one goes off a guy's shoulder pads, the other is disrupted as he's, as he's delivering the ball. It's probably not a crisis. Correct. All right. Um, as we wind down, let me ask you all watching, send us your predicted score for, uh, for Sunday night's game. And as those come in, I want to ask each of our guys, listen, through the first four games, even though the Chiefs lost two of them, I don't think any of us believe the Chiefs are going to lose. They were favored in all of them, just their favored in this one. None of us would have picked the Chargers or the Ravens, uh, I, I don't think. Would any of us... Uh, consider picking the bills in this game. I've, none of you have to do it for for print. I do, and I haven't decided yet which way to go on this. So, would any of you consider picking the bills in this game? Yeah, I, I think the bills are going to win. You know, I, I think they're the best team in the AFC right now, and I I'm not confident that the Chiefs' defense can slow them down. I mean, the Bills are averaging the fewest yards per play defensively in the NFL. The Chiefs are averaging the most. You know, it's 4.0 to 6.9. I, I think a lot of the things favor the timing of this game, I think, favors the Bills right now. I, I tend to agree with Sam. I mean, here we are, both teams enter this game averaging 33.5 points per game, which means we're probably going to get a low-scoring game. And it's candy corn season, so I'm, I'm, I agree with Sam, and I'll say the Bills probably will win this game as well. You can't mention candy corn and then say you agree with me on, on anything. <laughs> on anything. <laughs> You know, I, Blair, I, I, all the evidence leading into this game suggests the Bills should win. But I just have a feeling that some of these things are, are going to get remedied enough defensively that, that the Chiefs will contain the Bills to 28 or 31, and they'll be able to get into the mid-30s themselves. I mean, really, if you look at the amount of times the other team has stopped the Chiefs this year without the Chiefs make, making just a, a blunder themselves, it's pretty rare. I know the Bills are more, more potent. I think that they're going to give the Chiefs some, some challenges, but I do think the Chiefs will win about 35-31, something like that. This is a, a take that would probably be better placed on one of those like morning ESPN shows, but I believe it in my heart, so I'm just going to say it out loud. I believe outside of like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, like legends, you know, then and, and that's what Patrick Mahomes is like aiming for outside of guys like that. I think he wants to beat Josh Allen worse than anybody else. And <laughs> I'm reading between the lines a little bit here. And, you know, some things that I've heard from people that know him well. And I, I just, I think that he thinks that people are like Josh Allen is the new exciting, you know, highlight real guy. And, and I think Mahomes is kind of sitting back and is like, yeah, but that MFR can't like read a defense like me. He's not as good at the line of script. Like, I just think he's got like some of that, like Jordan, you know, like Petty Pat. 
<laughs> Jerry Krause likes, you know, Josh Allen too much. And I just, I think that he's going to play incredibly well. And I know that's like the dumbest thing in the world to say, right? Like, I think Mahomes is going to have a good game. But I just think like this, this game against that quarterback, I just think it means a little bit more to him. So I, I think we're going to see him at his absolute best on Sunday. You don't want to mess with Petty Pat. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes, yes. The pettiness is unreal in that game. And he absolutely has done well against the the good young AFC quarterbacks, right? Mayfield, Watson in the playoffs, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen, that's for sure. Uh, I just can't get out of my mind how well the Chiefs played the Bills last year in two games. Bills were sensational against everybody else, just about everybody else. Titans whacked them pretty good last year, too. But the Chiefs just lined up and beat them, uh, beat them different ways. We're all correct in saying this defense is different. For some reason, uh, the Chiefs' defense is different than it was last year. I think it's going to continue to be exploited until uh, Steve Spagnuolo and the defensive coaches figure out what to do about it. But they get enough guys back this week. I think I'm leaning Chiefs, but i got to make a decision here in about an hour or so. So thanks for all the suggestions. (laughs) And thanks for being here today, Herbie Teope, Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Sam Mellinger, and to all of you. Great, great questions and comments. Uh, really do appreciate it. We went a little long today, but this is a big game worth talking about. And did I mention it's a night game and how much we're all looking forward to being there in the press box until about 1 a.m.? So anyway, Beth Welsh, thanks a lot for producing today. You know, I gripe about the night games, but we'll absolutely be with you after the game on Sunday night, much to the chagrin of the people on this uh, panel. But we will be looking forward to it, and we'll talk to you then. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger for talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. So you know about the morning sports edition, right? Well, if you don't, let me tell you about it. On KansasCity.com, you go to the Stars E-Edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open up the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that, and you can access about 15 to 30 pages of sports. And I always say that every day, right? 15 to 25, 15 to 30. Today, there were 49 pages of sports in today's edition. Look, maybe you get a link in your email. That's how I get it. It's there by 6.30 every morning. But however you get it, it's access to complete coverage of the previous day's sports, news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Okay, end of the commercial. Thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. You know, Mellinger Minute for Your Ears drops today, so be sure to give that a listen as well. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we couldn't produce programs like Sports Beat KC without you. So we're back on Monday, breaking down the Chiefs-Bills game. Be sure to listen then.